we leave for New York early, early tomorrow morning. And I just got word from our boy Phil from Chico, who is out uh, living in New York, Mm -hmm. uh, who we plan to meet up with. Uh, He said, hey, you know, dress warm Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's projected it's going to be 15 degrees. Uh, to which I replied, all I have are Vans classic shoes. Um, and he said, you know, in Phil fashion, don't worry. There's a TJ Maxx with plenty of Tims with your names on them. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if I'm on that. Like, like Aaron says, I don't know if I'm at that level yet where I can get Tims, but, um, you know, I, I might make a run to, uh, to our local Ross here and try to find some, try to find some boots for the cold weather, but I am excited to get my pea coat. A little bit of wear today or this week. So, um, first of all, <clears throat> that's a funny statement coming from you that you're uncomfortable wearing Tim's. Coming from the one white boy I know that wear has Jabot jeans. <laughs> you know, past life, dude. Tall tees and Jabot jeans, dude. <laughs> every time I every time I hear Tim's, I just think a dipset and yes. like run in like the big pink fuzzy like you know <laughs> big pink fur like my like early early teenage years like. yes dip set dip every, set. every time someone talks about tim's i just expect some random person to hop from behind a bush and be like oh <laughs> i always just expect them to end whatever sentence they're saying with son <laughs> yeah i i told i told tracy my girlfriend that you know that that same store and she goes yeah you know tim's you'd fit right in in new york and i said no babe i'm a gangster not a gangsta <laughs> yeah clear, quick clarification um all right boys so listen i gotta talk to you guys about something i got a confession to make and i think this is a good time as any to talk about it and um it's that uh Recently, I came to the conclusion that I'm not good at gambling. <laughs> I'm not good at it. I'm, I'm, I suck at gambling. Um, my confidence. I'm, I'm not one that anyone I think who knows me would say that confidence is a department I'm lacking in. But when it comes to picks right now, boys, I mean, two locks of the week go sideways on me two weeks in a row. That's tough. And you know what? You boys pointed out to me last week. You tried to save me. You said your lock of the week is dependent on a white receiver. And that's coming from two white guys, right? And that made me incredibly. That, yeah, that just made me really nervous going into the weekend. And I <laughs> I thought about cheating and going back and re-recording part, that part of the pod with a different pick. I'm like, no, nah, bro, that's not how this works. Yeah, you that's 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 an A B move. That's you an can't, A B move. For yeah, sure. you can't do that. You know, so uh, I sat there watching that horrendous game with the Colts and Vikings. The only thing that made me feel good about that game is the fact that my man A B, um, the treacherous one over here, the tree, the traitor, um, that he picked the Colts and. It didn't work out in his favor. What are you talking about? I picked the Colts plus four, my dude. Relax, buddy. I'm, <laughs> I'm 16 and five the last three weeks, homie. You can hop on the train. Like, listen, I give out lessons. Like, you know, I'm I do charge like on the back end. It's called tutoring. Like, if you would like to go to school, like I'm here for it. I am a teacher by trade, but I'm also your father. So, like, we can do that in this gambling world. 
I mean, who are you speaking to, me or Jero? Because that could Both. be that could hold weight. <laughs> could hold weight for any one of us. Both. Listen, I got I got no retort. When you're 16 and five, and your boy is 0 for two in the last two weeks with my locks of the week, um, yeah, confidence is shaken. Um, you know, yeah, Jero, is it safe to say that like maybe we're off some locks for a few weeks, and maybe we're going to some, maybe some tentative picks? You know, I don't, I don't maybe some picks again. Know? I'm going to bring it up. The reverse, reverse. You have to reverse yourself, Jero. You have to fade yourself. And when I, it's. Yeah. You know, it, I'm with you. Um, I listened back to last, last week's episode and was thinking a lot about the reverse, reverse. And it's just, it, it's, it's even scarier, right? It, it terrifies me to reverse, reverse myself because I didn't make it this far in life second guessing myself. And the entire idea of a reverse reverse is second guessing yourself. And that's just not what I do, baby. We keep rolling. We got a lock of the week. Have I picked it yet? No, but will I pick it by the time it's time? Oh, you can, you can bet your ass I will. Will I have all the confidence going into the world that I'm going to be right? Yes. And as soon as the game starts, will I have zero confidence? That's right. I'll be terrified because that's what happens when you're on when you're when what's the opposite of a heater a cold streak an, an, a cooler uh, a cooler uh, that's what's happening there there is the the northern the the <laughs> westerly winds have been blowing my way um the temperature has been steadily dropping but boys i'm going on vacation i'm going to the island man it's going to be a low of 71 a high of 82 for the next 10 days so the heater it's got it's inevitable right yeah I will say I, I will say on 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 the reverse reverse note or in in light of the Benedict Arnold pick, um, Jarrell, you'll like this this story. I, uh, today at work we had Eastern Michigan uh, playing San Jose State, um, and and one of our our hosts uh, told me right before we went on, he goes he goes, man, Eastern Michigan plus one eighty money line looks good, and I had San Jose State that I was going to be picking for that game last minute. Changed it to Eastern Michigan money line just for vibe, just for pure vibes. Uh, and my other producer, Mark Grandy, uh, caught wind of that, and he said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait for the for the live line." Um, San Jose State goes up thirteen to nothing. Quick two scores on their point after they get a kick blocked and returned for a two points. Uh, and it and the li the live line jumped to plus nine and a half. Uh, Eastern Michigan was at plus four. He hops on that. Eastern Michigan goes on a run. They're up 23 to 13. He goes, you know what? I'm going to play with a little bit of fire here, and I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take San Jose State plus six and a half, and I give myself a 15-point window to hit both bets. And I go, that's a little bit of a Benedict Arnold pick. And he goes, what? And I go, hey, don't worry about it. So go ahead and take that pick. And, of course, it backfires in his face. And I say, that's exactly what Benedict Arnold did. You know, that he just it backfires in his face. He ends up with nothing. That's right. That's right. I mean, I'm just going to start calling you Yeti. <laughs> That's fine. Why? Because he's an alcoholic in the woods and it's absolutely <laughs> freezing. <laughs> Listen, boys, here, here's what I do know as the one pick I made with my heart when I went with a logo that I liked, a team that I like because they've been on, on down on hard times, and I bet with my heart, that's the one pick that hit for me last week. And so what I've learned is when I research, 
when I look at analytics, when I look at other people's picks and all the experts' picks, what happens is I end up picking a white boy at wide receiver for the fucking Vikings who can't be trusted by anyone, and I make that my lock of the week. And so what I'm doing is I'm just my 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 plan here, or strategy, if you will, is to just block out the noise. What happened last week is no more. That was last week. No sense in worrying about it. There's nothing I can do. All I can do is get back on that horse this week and make a lock that I believe in, that I'm confident about, and that is coming from the heart, not from the head. Yes, sir. What's wild is that – what was Adam Thielen's receiving yards on that one? It was – well, I picked him to have four the over on four and a half catches. Okay. Over on four and a half catches in that game as like the two, three receiver for Minnesota down 30 points to not get that to hit. Dude, you're the XL Yeti. You're like the $1,200 Yeti. You're the super expensive one. Major insulation. Like, this like, is a, what a, like a house fire happened and you still have ice in the cooler. You yeah, know? the beers are still cold. Like, This is what I'm saying. Kirk Cousins threw for 417 yards in the second half. How does Thielen not have five receptions? It makes zero sense. Then this is what I'm saying. I am on a freezer right now. It's not even a cooler. It is a freezer. Aaron, you bring up a great point. Yeah, I am the XL Yeti, but uh, that Yeti is in a sit-in freezer inside a meat locker. That's how I felt about my former picks, locks of the week, because it's just not, it hasn't, it just, it's not happening. So. What I'm doing is I'm just I'm going to make a pick this week just based on my heart. No research. Just I'm going to look yeah, at the lines. I'm going to do this live this week. And I'm just going to look at the lines and where my heart, what my heart tells me to go with. That's what I'm doing. Just like in any multiple choice test my entire life. I barely read the whole question. I get through half a sentence. I look at the answers. Whatever my instinct tells me to pick, that's what I roll with. And your boy graduated with 3.8 GPA from college, not doing a whole lot of work. So <laughs> I have to say, anyone who survived this last week with a winning record, that was the craziest week in the NFL I've ever yes. seen. That was absolute madness across the board. I hit, I hit it on a couple bets towards the end at a parlay towards the end that had both the chargers and the Raiders in it. And I had the chargers get, they tied the Tennessee tied the game. And then Herbert makes that insane throw to Mike Williams on the, on the run gets them into field goal position as they're kicking that to win the game. So I have chargers and, uh, and Raiders in a money line parlay <laughs> kicking that to win the game. Freaking. Jacoby Myers decides to like go absolute brain fart, throws the ball, and Chandler Jones goes, Thank you much, and just like stampedes over Mac Jones. And I'm I, I couldn't even cheer. I was in total shell shock. Like I couldn't even believe, not to mention coming off the back of that Minnesota game where I did have Indy. I'm thinking, dude, I'm the smartest guy out here, bro. Like, I already know this. Like, duh, like Indy's up 30 nothing. I'm thinking, like, that was like no brainer. And it, and it starts to I'm like, what is going on, dude? I couldn't Matt Ryan, Matt yeah. Ryan, dude. I mean, I Drew has a famous line that always says you can never trust the Falcons. And after that Colts game, I think it should be amended to you can never trust when Matt Ryan is quarterbacking your team. Yeah, you can never trust Matt Ryan, Matty Puddles. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable. Um, twice now 
uh, you have he is now the uh, sole possessor of the largest Super Bowl comeback and the largest regular season comeback being on the wrong side of history twice. It's just it's unbelievable. It's it's it, you can't write this stuff. You really can't. And then <clears throat> Mac Jones getting trucked by Chandler Jones. That picture is how I'm going to remember this season. It's not going to be that Buffalo, uh, Minnesota game. It's not going to be the Jefferson catch in that game. It's not going to be any of the stuff that we've seen from Brock Purdy or this Niners defense. It's that still frame is just, it's, I've never, none of us have seen that, right? I'll, I'll give you a hot take real quick. Uh, you know, Jacoby Myers is getting all the brunt for that loss. Obviously, I mean, go down. It's you play for overtime. I don't know why he threw that. But on the same coin flip, Mac Jones, how do you not tackle Chandler Jones there? How do you just give up that easy of a tackle when you know the game is on the line? You tackle that man. You 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 yank his shoe, you bite his kneecaps, you do something. He did nothing. He just folded up like a lawn chair, like Mike White against the Bills. He just folded. I blame Mac Jones more than I blame Jacoby Myers. You try and tackle Chandler Thank Jones. You. I would. I would in that That's position. I would. You he, would not. He, he literally stiff-armed him, put him on the ground, put a blanket on him, gave him his bottle, and said, go to bed, child. What about Mac Jones gives you the confidence that he is the guy one V one Chandler Jones to stand any chance or to even try it. Did you see him during the draft again? It wasn't, I know I, 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 I get what you're saying, but it wasn't like it was one V one, like head up. We're Have going, you like, seen him gritty? Chandler Jones was off his two feet catching that ball. And then Mac Jones was like, I'm already going to sit down and then try to grab your leg. It's like, no, go into his hip. No head no, on the opposite no. side through form tackle that guy has been playing football for 17 years he's never made that kind of a tackle please if you're the franchise quarterback what you do there is what cam newton did in the super bowl nothing nothing he would have been better off jumping out of the way than what he did because that meme is going to live in my head forever and poor jacoby myers it's not his fault here's a hot take for you it's not his fault laterolling is fun it's contagious right it's like shots you don't want you don't plan on taking shots some nights but your boy orders around and now it's fun now we're doing shots and that's how it is with when someone just pitches you a ball in football that is a thrilling feeling like oh shit we're doing this all right like i don't blame jacoby myers at all because i feel i would have done the same thing like hot potato you know oh shit oh uh, no you get it right and yeah and but when just... you but when you make 40 yards in the play and then you throw it in his in his press conference, he goes, yeah, the only person I saw open was Mac Jones, so I thought it would be a good idea to throw it to him. When would it ever be good to throw it to Mac? Like, well, like if Chandler Jones did not catch that and, and Mac Jones caught that, what is Mac Jones going to do? He runs a 5-8-40. Like, he's, he's, not, he's, he's not a person to have the ball in his hands. Was it Ramondre Stevenson that ended yes. that? Yes. Okay. Why? Why are we not talking about Ramondre Stevenson? He's the one that started this whole entire domino effect. Jacoby Myers made the shit throw. Understandable. But what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Go down. I. I also. Hey, I want to. Bill Belichick. Are you not telling your boys what's going on here? 
Is the guy yeah. losing it a little bit? I think he's over it. I, I, I genuinely, I wouldn't be surprised if, 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 if this is his starting to see this the the coronation of 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 his last go at this thing. Who's I, more? Who's more over the hill, Belichick or Brady? I mean, <laughs> watch the buck. I mean, okay, hot take. I, feel hot like, take. I don't know. I feel like hot they're take. both just equally over the hill. Hot take. You're going to see Tampa Bay in the conference championship. Well, yeah, because they play in the NFC South with dog shit fucking teams. No, you're going to see them in the NFC title game. No, you're not, what, One thing I do I'll know, I, I admitted on the front end of this pod, I obviously don't know much about gambling. But one thing I do know is no one has made much money betting against Tommy Brady. It just doesn't happen. I don't know why I called him Tommy there. I don't know what yeah, happened. That was, and that was weird. That made me uncomfortable. That was like a San Mateo thing. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. I bet you call the Bay Area San Fran too. I do not. Um, I I never you have. Totally do. You totally do. Never. Um, <laughs> you totally say. San I used Fran. to live in San Francisco and San Mateo, and what I know, I could, that's why I'm saying it. And what I could tell you is, I don't know what happened with the Tommy Brady thing that that made me uncomfortable. I'd like to move on if we could. Uh, <laughs> made me uncomfortable too. Yeah, we're all uncomfortable. Let's uh let's put a uh, a bow and be the the last word on um this past weekend when it comes to the World Cup final. Um I know it's been talked about to death. Obviously, one of the greatest sporting events of all time. I don't really feel much in the way of debating is it the greatest sporting event event of all time? Um but I do just kind of want to talk about the game itself. And just like that moment and kind of where you guys were, what you were doing. I know you guys were probably locked into this, right? Like, John, you watched it live. Uh, oh, you know, <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm going to be fully honest with you. I came in at like the uh, 63rd minute. That's not terrible. You still uh, yeah, saw I, I, I caught the saw, back half. I caught the yeah. good stuff. Uh, you know, I missed Messi's first goal. Um, but the, the fact that Messi... Looking at some of the stats for this World Cup, uh, obviously Messi has already, I think, staked a claim to be the best ever to to kick a soccer ball, um, and that's in the Pele conversation. That's in you know every conversation that you have of of the goats of of soccer. Um, but I think his his World Cup performance, scoring a goal, at least one goal in every single game of knockout stage to go up against the defending champion French. Obviously the French have been injury riddled, but they still have Mbappe. They still have such a deep, you know, team um in in France to be able to go in and and win that game and solidify and put a stamp on his legacy. I I mean it's it's something that, you know, you would hope for a movie to be written. Like I it's I I you know, I've never been a huge Messi fan. Um, but seeing this World Cup and seeing his performance and and knowing that this is potentially, even if he loses it, this is probably his his last World Cup appearance. It's huge. It's huge. I mean, it's up there with with Peyton Manning going out with the Super Bowl. It's up there with John Elway going out with Super Bowl. It's it's that kind of legacy. It would have been up there with Tom Brady if he would have you know listened to Giselle and went out with his Super Bowl. Um, you know, Messi. Hats off to that kid. I mean, he's he's late thirties. And still, the best player in the world at the world sport is is astronomically amazing. What Messi did, coupled with his career, 
is a greater achievement than all three of those quarterbacks you mentioned combined. Agreed. And what he's done on a world stage. So I saw a statistic. I saw numbers that was 101.5 million people watched the Super Bowl. 2.5 billion people watched the World Cup final. So if you think that, you know, our little American sport over here is like whatever. No. What he's done at every level that he's played, club level with Barcelona, those teams that he had, I mean, arguably the most beautiful soccer ever played when Pep Guardiola was there. They just, he had Neymar, Luis Suarez, him. I mean, you got to go look at some of these. It'll make you cry the way that they play. It is unbelievable. It's beautiful. It's pure art. And I've always made this kind of comparison. You know, Cristiano Ronaldo and and LeBron James are very similar to me, right? Athletic, all the talent in the world, completely gifted, you know, have won quite a bit. Ronaldo has won, you know, his fair share of Champions Leagues and and uh, and La Ligas and, and all that, right? LeBron has his championships and, and whatnot. Steph Curry and Lionel Messi are very similar to me. They transcend the sport. They changed the game. They made us look at it in a different way, right? And I think that when you really take into account what Messi means to, you know, the world, I watched these videos of Cairo, of Pakistan, of Bangladesh, thousands of people in the streets from different countries cheering like their country just won the World Cup. He means that much. He's touched that many people. And I think that he hit just like him and Steph, it's the character, the way they hold themselves. You never hear about this guy in the media doing something wrong. You never hear about him being disrespectful, saying a bad word, right? Ronaldo's had allegations of sexual assault. LeBron, he's held himself in high regards for sure. There's some now some whispers coming out that he's, you know, played the field and whatnot, you know, whatever. But that game, right? So that's messy as a legacy. I think he goes down arguably as the greatest to ever do it. I think, you know, he he's he's up there with Pele, obviously, with three World Cups. Pele is on a different stratosphere in that realm. But, you know, he never came to Europe and he never, you know, won Champions Leagues. And Messi's done it at all these different levels, at, at the highest of levels. Now, now, that conversation can be had you know, 10 times over again and will be had for, for generations, right? Right. That game, there is no debate in my opinion. That was the greatest single sporting event I have ever witnessed when it comes to a team sport. It was for the largest prize on the planet, in my opinion, right? The World Cup, it involves every single, you have a chance, every single country has a chance to qualify. It's the world's game, right? 2.5 billion people watch the game, okay? The coronation of the man's legacy was on the line, yep. right? This was the one thing that he did not have. He needed this crowning jewel to really put that stamp. And the pressure of a nation was on his shoulders, right? The weight of not only him, but Maradona, who's also considered arguably the greatest ever, a diminutive, you know, left-footed, attacking 
Argentine, like you're you're literally the same, you're you're the same thing. To have that your whole life, you have that your whole life, that comparison, right? And you come out and you not only take them to the World Cup, you carry and you you play at such a beautiful level. It was reminiscent of some of his Barcelona days with the passing, the runs he was making. I mean, against Croatia, he had this run where he took Guariol, who's who's an elite defender runs him down the line cuts him back stops cuts him back again comes back pass right Pushed on the money yeah and it just it was like it, it was just it was and then the game itself i mean up to nothing killian mbappe my son my son my beautiful son dude what i mean what can you say the kid had his 24th birthday today yeah. What were you doing at 23? Because I, I know what I was doing. Okay. That, right? He already has one World Cup, scores a hat trick in his in this World Cup to drag a lifeless dead French team over the line into overtime, right? Four minutes left in the second OT, gets the pen, right? Scores the pen all the way to the world on him. They obviously fall short in 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 penalty kicks but I, I really want to acknowledge that france had to do their part to make that game what it was yep and i just think that this will go down as you know one of the greatest if not the greatest sporting event of all time team uh, team sporting event of all time yeah I, I so just if i got you right so messi is the steph curry of football um LeBron's a philanderer, and this was the greatest sporting event of all time. Got it. All right. Um, so would you, for for our, I guess, more naive or the, the soccer novices out there, um, that is many of our audience and no shade to them or because I'm one of them, uh, who, you know, casually drops in on soccer, would this be, in American terms, something like, Jordan towards the end there going again, like uh, in his wizard's career, like I guess maybe not quite wizard's career, maybe 97 Jordan versus like 2010 LeBron, the up and comer trying, you know, trying to prove himself. He's the next goat, so to speak in a game seven. Is that kind of what we were watching on Sunday? Yes, I, I would say so. The thing is, is Mbappe already has one. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And and the kid's been playing it at a high level for since he was eighteen years old. I mean, he's he's incredible. I mean, he's incredible. I mean, he yeah. is incredible. He's that volley he had in the in lower corner of the net oh that was God. just I mean, so the, filthy. The degree of difficulty. I mean, he's arguably the best player on the planet right now. Right. Yeah, I mean, he's already what uh, tied for six for all-time goals in uh, World, World Cup. Yeah. He's already Messi surpassed in Messi in two, two World Cups. Right, won the Golden Boot. Like you know, I mean, he he's he's fantastic. Did he's, I say six? Yeah, no, two yet. Obviously, he, he he's phenomenal. Um, I would say yeah, it's something it's something like that. I think that Michael Jordan is probably the most apt comparison for for us fans as far as what messi means to the world is what jordan is iconically to the united states like even tom brady is not in the same galaxy as michael yeah. jordan like tb12 is cool and whatever and 
You know, Tom Brady is the goat of football. Michael Jordan is the goat of American sports, right? Lionel Messi is the goat of the world sport. So I, I think that you yeah. would have to you would put those two in the same conversation as far as just dominance, what they've done for the game, how they're held in such high regards, like just almost deity status, sure. you know. Um, and that Barcelona know. run, that is, you know, again, comparing it back to basketball, that is the Bulls 3P. I mean, that team was so loaded. Um, and Messi's been in the spotlight now for 20 plus years. We've known who Lionel Messi is. So I think part of you made a great comparison when you were talking about Lionel Messi and uh, the Steph Curry comparison. One thing that I think is very apt about that comparison is they are much more relatable to the everyman, right? Now, Steph Curry is John's height, and in real life, John is a giant compared to us mere mortals. Like, taller than Steph Curry. Walking around in day-to-day -day life, John is going to be one of the tallest people you'll see, right? You're 6'4"? Six, 6'4". Four. Six, four. Yeah. fraction. Almost 6'5". Yeah, Steph Curry is 6'4". But compare in with con context, right? comparatively to the people he's playing with he's small so he looks he looks a lot more like you and i are right and messy same thing five seven you know not a tall guy not this athletic build like cristiano ronaldo is sculpted by the gods themselves right like they all came together they spent a little more time making cristiano ronaldo same with LeBron, right? Same with even Jordan. Like these dudes aren't relatable because you you know they came out the womb like they they were dunking at four years old, right? Like these guys are just sick athletes. But Messi, he's never been the fastest, never been the strongest. But when it comes to just he's always been a tactician, but his footwork, his timing is just like you said, a work of art watching him play. Yeah, I, I would say that you know that um the Steph and, and the reason I compare Steph and Messi is they are savants. Yes. Right. And it's it goes almost beyond skill. It goes beyond technical ability. It becomes an expression. Right. It's no longer almost about the sport itself. It's about ex, ex, the expression of yes. this of this thing that they do. And they do it better and more dynamic and more unique and more beautiful than anybody else that does it. And, well, and, yeah. and then to your point, Aaron, another thing that I see um, as a commonality between the two is you guys remember like 2016 Steph Curry? There'd be points in a game where he would just fuck around and see if he could do something. And Lionel Messi, the same thing. At his peak, there was times in a game where he already had two goals, and it was just like, let me just see if I can bang this out, bang this in from 60 yards out. Or let me see if I could just do a back heel kick from here. I don't need to. I, I could. There's easier ways to do this, but let me just see. There's an art form to it that is just, it is transcendent, and it brings people... It brings in the common commoner. It brings in the the common sports fan that like, oh, you don't you see it and you know you know it immediately. You realize the greatness and the artists that are these two guys. The one thing I'll say is even more so with 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 soccer is you can essentially drop a soccer ball anywhere, anytime, and play. 
You can't yes. do that with basketball. You can't do that with fo- – I mean, football, you can throw the ball around, right? So that maybe a little bit there. But it's one of those sports that, you know, can be played in the streets of Kenya, can be played in, you know, the outback of Australia, can be played in the streets of, of Harlem, whatever, right? Like, it can be anywhere, right? It's the world it's, sport. It's the world sport. And, and I, I would say it's the greatest sport. I mean, obviously, I hedge my my own – you know, I love basketball. I love football. Um, that's what I grew up with, but I played soccer when I was a kid. I loved soccer as well, but overall it is the world sport. And to your point, I, I want to, I would say it's the most inclusive sport. Um, when you see the level, the women are on they're they're legitimate superstars in this world. I would recognize more women off the U S uh, women's national team than I would baseball all-stars this, this past year. I would recognize Megan Rapino before I recognize Mike Trout if we were all at a bar together. I will they say kind of, this. They kind of look similar. I, I, I would say this. Being a baseball nut, not for me, but I would recognize more female U.S. soccer players than male soccer players. Yeah, same. Same. Oh. Yeah, that's totally fair. That's totally fair. So, yeah, hell of a hell of a World Cup we had. I mean, this is probably the most locked in I've um, I've been. For, that was a fucking uh, epic Sunday. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, dude, we got this. We got the start of the World Cup at seven a.m. We literally got three hours. It ended at like nine fifty-six, like right Perfect. as football was starting. It was yep. just like I was like, "Oh, I'm not moving." Yeah, like, like I can just be stationary for 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 all day, and this is great. Like that's, I don't have to move. That's typically my Sunday anyway. But yeah, I get what you're saying. <laughs> All right, let's keep it pushing. So um, going through the rundown, John, you put here the Carlos Correa contract hang up. I've been so busy. I have no idea what this even is. What? Uh, it's to to the credit of the group. Um, I literally, as I came in late to the pod, I have done nothing. Um, so anything you see on the rundown, I'm assuming is all of Aaron. Uh, oh. Well, then you're. Then um, let, people, let, it's people helping people. It's powerful stuff. So I'm going to hand that off to Aaron. Um, I do. I I am aware of the Carlos Correa. Obviously, with work today, that's that's pretty much all we talked about. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll pass that off to Aaron. Yeah. So from what I can gather so far is there's been conflicting reports. Basically, we were supposed to have a presser today, radio, TV. Uh, those got canceled. Um, one of my favorite baseball writers, Eno Saris, tweeted out that. You know, the Giants are usually super transparent with this type of stuff. But all we got today was an email that just said, you know, press conference canceled or the signing has been delayed or something to that nature. And then you start to kind of get these reports coming out. They're super convoluted, not really sure what's going on. First, it's obviously the back, but which is interesting to me because he hasn't gone on the injured list since 2019 for a back. And so I think that that's like the wrong narrative that I think has followed in the last couple of years. Um so it's just smoke and mirrors from what we can tell. Know. I don't know. The the one thing I do know is that I do believe it's going to get over the line. I just think that they're going to reconstruct the contract a little bit. I think it'll be for less years, maybe a little bit higher annual av- average. Um, but, you know, if Scott Boris and Correa knew about something and didn't tell the Giants, like, look, I get it as an agent. Like, you're not going to – you're going to do what's best for your client. And I don't know the ins and outs of, you know, you know, I mean, we're talking about HIPAA here at, at a certain point, right? We're talking about 
we're talking about medical information being exchanged from one team to another, right? And so was that information correct? Was Were they obligated to, to tell the Giants? And then I have to say, <laughs> the Giants, this has been a really messy offseason. Like yes. The PR, the PR on this has been horrible. From the Aaron Judge miss now to this, like – it is, you know, me and my good buddy, uh, my buddy Max and I, who are, you know, super tight on baseball and, and, and follow this franchise like to a core. Tarot knows Max. Yep. Yeah. Like he, he said it like, you know, this feels like the, the Giants have fallen a little bit. Like just the way that they've gone about handling this has just been so not indicative of what they've been in the last years, which is usually a pretty buttoned up franchise. And, and, you know, do things the right way. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, we still don't have any reports as far as what the issue was. Like, wh what are we talking about here? Right. When you're fucking well, around with with a franchise that has a legacy here and an incredibly faithful and large fan base um, throughout Northern California, and what you're doing, we talked about this last week, I believe, when we're talking about uh, moving Crawford. You're moving a beloved player in the Bay Area, um, a guy who grew up with the franchise from the area um, that is just beloved, like I said, by all the fans. And to have this snafu, so to speak, um, is just such a bad look, and it makes you lose all confidence um, in that front office and what they're doing right now. I mean, to lose some of the players we lost, to lose uh, Rondon, I mean, it's just been lose out on Judge. It's been a sloppy offseason. And again, I just, I don't know, <laughs> heading into, uh, I, I just don't know what, how they're going to rectify this. Yeah. I mean, to, to touch on some of Aaron's points too, like, um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the beat writers here in the Bay Area for the Giants. Um, I mean, uh, us as a station, we all received the email this morning because obviously it was it was stationed for 11 a.m. for this introductory press conference to welcome him to the team. Um, and the the email literally just said uh, the the introductory press conference is being postponed. That's that was one. It was one line sent out. It was it was super vague, and to Aaron's point on OSHA and 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 HIPAA and all that kind of stuff, like literally when which I didn't know until today, like when when free agents are being traded or, or when they're when they're being picked up, like all that, like when they say, uh, you know, this this deal is on the table pending physical, they say that because because of HIPAA, you don't know anything. Like teams aren't allowed to release you know, those injuries that they had, they aren't allowed to release how the rehabilitation went. Like you get that through your own physical and through your own doctors. Right. So with that being said, um, Susan Slusser is one of the, one of the, you know, huge beat writers here, um, for the giants and went out and said, um, that it isn't back related. Um, he's played last season. He played 120 something games the season before that he played 148, the the COVID season was sixteen or sixty games. He played fifty eight of those games. Um, so I I don't think that that's an issue. I think what the issue is we had uh, again we had a Giants um, orthopedic surgeon on today and he talked about uh, it not being a back issue. But the main things that orthopedic surgeons look for is shoulder, elbow, 
and wrist. Um, and so there's there's talk. Obviously, this is pure speculation. Nothing is out there yet. Uh, but there's talk of arthritis, um, that he has arthritis in his shoulder and back. And so like for a 13-year contract, that can be you know stipulant on payouts and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of speculation to... Um, to restructuring, like Aaron said, restructuring the contract, um, front loading it, um, and having a really bet, you know, strong tail off towards the end of the career because of, of those, you know, kind of warrants. Um, but this honestly is the worst PR nightmare for the giants. Like the giants, like you said before, are one of the most storybook franchises in the MLB. They are one of the only franchises that have their entire stadium and land completely paid off. Like this team is is literally making so much money, and so to have this free agency that they've had and miss on Judge and kind of be the the you know the window shop you know uh, person you're you know kind of cheating on with the Yankees to get them to pay more. Like we were that that you know dangled carrot essentially, um, and then now with this Correa stuff, like I haven't heard of any press conference. Like they could have waited this press press conference until February, until spring training. Like they did not need to jump on this press conference and say like you never do a press conference before the physical is done. So f- to put out all this, you know, hoopla of we're gonna have this, you know, media thing that we haven't done since we signed Gabe Kapler as manager. Like we're gonna have this huge kind of pageantry thing, and then to go back and and postpone it. It's just, I mean, this could be anything. For I mean, Correa's wife is in her third trimester, about to get have their second baby. So this could be anything from that. This could be COVID related where he's sick. This could be flight plans. This could literally be anything. But because the PR put out this media relations thing to have this, you know, have this press conference, now they have to deal with this, this speculation. And it, it's as Giants fans, as me personally as a Giants fan, it's crushing me because the thought of losing Correa, every other big agent is is signed already like there's no one like Didi Gregorius is maybe the person we're going to end up with like there's there's no free agent left so I, I I'm scared honestly until until you know the next report comes out I don't think that we've had uh as a disgruntled a group of Giants fans in the last 30 years as we do right now I think a lot of Giants fans are starting to become extremely disillusioned with what are we doing? What's the direction here? Like, are we just another, like this, that move, you know, showed us, okay, we're not the Oakland A's. Like at least Zaidi's not treating us like that, right? Yeah. At least he's willing to go out and spend the money. I think there's some interesting like dichotomies in this franchise. You have Charles Johnson, the owner, who is a staunch conservative in a, in the most liberal city in the United States. That's weird to me, right? So that, that first off, is weird at the top, right? Then you have Zaidi and you have a manager in Kapler who are extremely progressive. Zaidi more so in the actual analytics of things. Kapler as well, but his political ideologies are very outspoken and very opposed to the owner. And I'm okay with that. I just think that there's these weird things about the franchise that we are starting to learn more about. And now... We come into an offseason where we've been told we have all this money, all this money. We miss on Judge, like we were saying, right? Everyone's crushed by that. Then we we sign Correa, and I almost feel like everyone kind of like – it was almost a false excitement. Like, I, yes, 
I love Correa as a baseball player. I think he's a great baseball player. But I do think that as Giants fans, he was kind of the last guy you yep. wanted to represent yep. your franchise. Yep. And and I think that we all kind of like just accepted it because at this point we're like, fuck it, whatever. Give me, give me anything because this is, you know, Mitch Hanniger and Ross Stripling and Manaya here. Like, what are we doing? Right. <laughs> and so you you add Correa. Now, if this is comes to a restructuring and we have to front load this contract, I'm opposed. The reason I liked the deal was because that it was 27 million a year over 13 years. That is nothing. You can still that's nothing on the books. I mean, that, that gives you a ton of flexibility. Now, if we gotta start paying them 35 million, 36 million a year for seven years, that's a little bit more money. Like that's a that 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 makes an indent on your $180 million salary, $190 million salary, you know. But so I just it's I don't know if I want to find out more. It's all speculation. And I think right. regardless, the PR nightmares is is solely on the Giants at this moment. However, if it comes out that Correa and Boris knew about stuff, I know it's not their obligation, but you know, it's just it could it, it could end up just putting a lot of sour tastes in a lot of Giants fans' mouths. And yeah, Charles Johnson and and Larry Bayer, like they've got to be super concerned right now with season ticket sales, with people coming to the park, with loyalty of, of this franchise. Like what 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 are we? I know it's a super like intrinsic question, but like, what's right. the direction of this franchise? But so how do you guys feel if tomorrow it comes out and it, it says, oh yeah, see, this is what's weird to me. It's like, I, I'm hanging on this, on this hope that it's like, oh yeah, it's this random convoluted reason why they had to postpone it. Right. Let um, it be his wife. Right. Exactly. Let, let it be something that like, you know, is completely away from baseball. But at the same time, why? Like it happened during the physical like it's it's not unless it was a phone call but if it was something like that pr would be in front of this and they would be like yeah it you know personal family reasons or you know timing or whatever it was they would they would convey that hey like if there was no chance of us losing correa or us not signing this contract with correa we're gonna go out and go out on a limb and just say hey like all good you know, this is a rent, like, we're sorry for this, but this is, you know, what's going on still being vague, whatever, but they could still convey that, like, don't, don't lose sleep over this. Well, if it was nothing, I feel like they would have come out and give us, I, I don't mean nothing, but if right. it was something incredibly personal to Carlos Correa, if it was, you know, a family issue, I think they would say they would at least state, you know, personal issue family i think without giving us much details either way the pr fumbled the bag here um unless it's something really deep and they got to figure some shit out in a hurry right and just leaving us and others to speculate is always a pr nightmare right and you're just leaving it after having a horrible off season for the most part the one when you get you can't even do that right and i thought ab you made some great points about some of the specific um, uh, dynamics of the franchise and inner workings of the franchise, and yeah, it's been it's been a mess, man. So, and the thing is, it's like I said, it's not like it's this shitty franchise. It's not like the glory days are you know so far in the rear view. Compounded with the fact that we just won 
three championships the last decade, right? Like it wasn't that long ago, compounded with the fact that you have the Dodgers and the fucking Dodgers and, and the Padres in your division, your biggest rivals, spending cash, getting superstars, retaining their own superstars. Like it's painful. We just won 106 games two seasons ago. <laughs> but I, I think mean, that hurt us as fans because that was an anomaly. Like it was us winning 107 games, yeah, 107 games. Like that, that shouldn't have happened. Like it was, yeah. Like every uh, bat played above their means. Like it, it was a great season. Don't get me wrong, for to be a Giants fan, but it was not a realistic stamp for that. For team. sure, yeah. I you mean, know what you, I mean? And it, and it gave fans kind of that false sense of hope. Yes. And I mean, we didn't, we didn't even have a like to Aaron's point. We didn't even have a fall off when Bonds left. You know what I mean? Like we got. Bumgarner, Posey, we we we, we, we got better, right? Like, we didn't have that as a fandom. We didn't really have that fall off. And, like, to Aaron's point, losing Posey, obviously having, you know, Belt and Crawford and these kind of trio guys that are are on the back nine now and, like, pretty much done with their careers, like, we're, we're kind of grasping at straws of, like, okay, like, where does the franchise go from here? And this offseason was supposed to be that stamp of, don't worry, we got you. And we've struck out, no pun intended, on every single free agent this year. Yeah. Like, you know, no shot at, you know, Manea and Hanniger. And, like, those weren't the guys that we were like, God, I hope we get them. You know, like, to lose Correa is going to be very detrimental from a bottom line standpoint for the Giants this year. If that happens. If. That happens. if. Yeah, and I think any fan that was, you know, watched that 107 game season, if you go look at the numbers, like you got career years out of Belt, Crawford, you know, I mean, guys that were, Longoria was playing really well, like you Lamont got Wade years, Jr., Lamont Wade Jr., like Yastrzemski, like you, you, you got career years out of guys, right? So, so, so regression is coming regardless, right? And I, I, I think everyone was was expecting that in, in some way. We were still competitive somewhat this year. I think it's the way that the the franchise goes about fielding a team. Where look, there's diehards that are down for the platoon, down for the war, down for you know ex woba, ex bacon, all this shit, right? But that's like a half a percent of baseball fans. The rest of us, or the rest of you, are are you they, better they, be careful. You want to root for the same guy every night. You want to see the lineup every night. That's what you expect, right? And I know baseball is different, but, you know, different now than it was. Again, I come back to, you know, like Jero was saying, and like you were saying, John, like this is arguably a one of the most, you know, iconic franchises in the game from the New York days. So we've had some of the, the most iconic players, arguably the greatest player to ever do it in Willie Mays. Right. Like like Barry Bonds was a, a superhero in his time, like, you know, and and we got better after he left. We won world championships. We 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 fielded, you know, amazing teams and we did it our way. We 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 grind out games. We, you know, hit guys over great pitching, good bullpen, torture, like, torture. But, you know, Bochi, like, yeah, like Dusty Baker, like iconic dudes in the game now. Like, I feel like I'm watching the fucking Marlins. Mm. Mm. Oh, that's like, oh. dude, like, it's like tough because it feels it feels true. You know, it's like, dude, like, I honestly would take the we Marlins have a franchise ballpark, right now. We have a I ballpark. would take. We need a jazz chism. We need a jazz chism. We, we need a, a a 
we need if we're gonna go in that direction, let's go in that direction. Load up on Dominican and Puerto Ricans and all these motherfuckers who want it. And Aaron, around. Aaron yeah. you can you can attest to this because obviously, like you said, you're a seam head. Like it, we do have, uh, you know, good farm good, better pro, good, farm, good farm system. Luciano Matos, like we have some guys that I feel like probably nope. are still maybe a year out, but like they can be game changers. Listen. Listen, those guys, though, can only be game changers if they come up with the protection of professional players that that know how to do it day in and day out. If, if you put those guys in the lineup and you put Luciano in the three-hole and you put Matos in the four-hole, you lead Matos off or whatever, they are going to get eaten alive because yeah. they have no protection in that lineup and they're just going to look like absolute garbage. And if you can hit them six and seven and seven and eight to start their career, they're going to see more fastballs. They're going to get on base more like they're going to be able to develop. Right. And the pressure is not going to be on their shoulders. That's why you have a Correa, a Hanager, you know, go get a Michael Conforto. Like he's going to be cheap. He's come. He didn't play last year. Go get him as the last outfielder. You should have got a Bellinger. You should have got a Josh Bell. Right. Like these guys are, are on one, two year, 10, 15, $20 million contracts. That's not going to hurt you down the road. Go and fill the roster with with MLB talent, and then you can slowly leak in these guys that you want to see. Right now, we are a we, we're a wayward ship with literally dudes jumping off the ship. Like that's what it feels like right now. Like like Correa was like I saw a tweet the other day. It was like we had Judge for six minutes and we had Correa for six days. Yeah, <laughs> what the fuck, dude. I'm getting uh, over it. I'm getting baseball, over it. Baseball, dude. Baseball. Look at Aaron turning us into seam heads. I love I mean, it. I love it. Well, let's yeah. let's move off. There. Let's move off that, but let's stay in the Bay. You guys live in the Bay. I'm from the Bay, so let's stay there. Uh, San Mateo, shout out. <laughs> uh, I do want to talk real quick about Brock Purdy, the weekly uh, mandatory Brock Purdy update. Um, and I'll start with this. It's looking pretty good, guys. Looking pretty good. Pretty good. Um, I'm loving it, man. Uh, like I said, for me, the thing that I was dying to see is a quarterback who's a little bit more mobile and one who has the willingness to throw the ball down the field. And the thing, uh, A.B., you tell me if you agree, but the thing I've been so impressed with by this kid is his decision-making. He doesn't panic. He doesn't. He has pressure in his face. He'll roll out of it. You know, he doesn't take the same sacks Jimmy G does. I think that mobility really helps. But, yeah, sometimes he'll throw in a double coverage or what have you and throw some dangerous balls. Um, he's definitely had a more dropped picks than his touchdown-interception ratio would show. Um, there was one in that particular game in Seattle that was just like – I don't know how you drop that ball. I mean, a five-year-old catches that one. Like he just had to be too excited there because that was thrown right to the defensive back. But Diggs, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was Diggs. Uh, thank you. Also, two that were called back. Two that were actually intercepted. That's right. That's right. Back. So, if in all reality, if those weren't called back, and you know that one gets picked, he has a six to four touchdown interception ratio. And again, I'm not worried about it. He's he's a gunslinger. I'm okay with the turnovers occasionally. 
if you're willing to move the ball down the field, if you're willing to try to extend plays and make a play, I've been dying to watch that just from an entertainment standpoint. I get that Jimmy Garoppolo has this amazing winning percentage and the best winning percentage as any quarterback under Kyle Shanahan. I get all that, but from an entertainment value standpoint and what I want to watch, my own my own druthers, right? What I would prefer is Brock Purdy style. And I told you guys when we first talked about Brock Purdy, when he first replaced Jimmy Garoppolo, for me, this is the best case scenario is that they go into this offseason, they they have confidence in Brock. Whether or not he ends up winning the starting job next year is irrelevant to me right now. What matters is Jimmy, that he shows enough that they're confident in letting Jimmy go and they're ready to move forward with Brock and him and Trey could go head to head at, you know, this off season in training camp and may the best man win. And if, if you can, if you decide it's Brock, you can, you then have some, you know, you have a pretty decent asset there with Trey Lance, because oftentimes we see that what we don't know is what is most intriguing for us, right? Like we've seen it in college a million times where a guy has a hell of a tournament run in college basketball and his stock is at an all-time high and he would go in the lottery, maybe top five pick. He comes back for one more year, maybe gets injured, doesn't show out, whatever the case may be, and becomes a second rounder or a late first rounder, right? We see it in college football too. Guys have- We saw it with Birdie. We saw it with Manti Teo just for getting catfished, bro. <laughs> you know, like this this happened. We saw it with Purdy. These things happen. But I think the best the best case scenario for the Niners moving forward is Brock earns a starting job, um, a show continues to impress, and goes into this offseason like we found our dude, and maybe Trey can compete. And that would be the best thing for the Niners going into this offseason. So I'm just I'm excited about the direction of this team. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So th there was a few things that I that I wanted to see more than anything was we can get to the play in a second. Short week. Yep. Seattle on the 12s. Yep. Off an injury. Yep. Right. And you come out. And like I said before, you put your balls on the table, my son, and you go out there and you don't even show a ounce of grimace. I didn't see him wince once on a throw. Straight face, absolute killer, bro. The kid has that assassination look in his face. Like he is, it's it's not like maybe borderline cocky, but he has visualized himself here. You can tell. Like, he has seen himself in this position. He knows. And you hear it from those other players when they saw him in training camp. They knew what they they knew what they were watching, right? He was going up against the best defense. We've heard all that. You go look at, like, you go look at that post-game interview with him and Kittle. He had the balls to be like, yeah, Kittle talks too much. Like, that's a rookie saying that to a cornerstone captain of the franchise. Yeah, right, you know what right. And it's like, and Kittle's looking at him like, what, bro? But you could tell there was a mutual respect there because you know what? If you're balling out as my QB one, bro, keep getting me the ball. Yeah, like Kittle don't care. Well, and and let's let's not forget too, like not to throw shade towards Jimmy. Like Jimmy was that guy as well. That like I mean, a lot of Jimmy's in injuries, like that ACL, was him, you know, getting another twelve yards, you know, for that first down and and trying to get out of bounds and then tearing his ACL. He like he is. It, Brock Purdy is what Kyle Shanahan wishes Jimmy G was. 
Like he's a guy that can that can have those naked boot rollouts. He can he can expose and like open up that playbook because Purdy, like you to Jero's credit, like he's he's athletic enough to get outside the pocket. He's athletic. He's he's early Russell Wilson where he can he can make and buy time to get those passes out, and he's not afraid to gunsling it into tight windows. Like so, I, I'm I'm all for interceptions if you are fearless and throwing those deep balls. He's looking downfield. He's not checking down. Like he is playing up to a caliber. And don't forget, he played 48 games as a starter all the way through college in the Big 12, which is, I mean, it's not the SEC, but it's still a huge conference going into Oklahoma, going into Texas. Like he's played in big games and it's showing in in his first year right now. Like it's showing through his press conferences he's having that confidence because to him he's like yeah i've been here i've done this like let give me the hat give me the you know give me the clipboard i'm i'm ready to go to work the the the, the one thing i'll say too is like we can look at all the technical abilities we can look at the throws we can look at all that there, there there's a certain thing and everyone says it's the it and this and that you just watch him and you're like dude this guy is like more exciting i feel like anything could happen at any moment with him like i feel like he could like i, I just feel confident watching him jimmy i never felt that it was like watching it was boring it was like labored and it was just like it was just almost it was just so predictable and it's like brock purdy brings this element of just like yeah just that like it's I'm just so cliche. It's the it factor where he literally walked. So I have this visualization with certain guys, right, in the quarterback position. It's like if you walk on that field like fucking John Wayne and you walk on that field like the sheriff, like Peyton Manning had it, Tom Brady has it, Joe Burrow has it, Patrick Mahomes has it, they walk out there like the fucking sheriffs in town. Brock Purdy <laughs> has that walk. Jimmy G don't have that walk, right? And when you, walk, when you watch him – he he has it's like this guy is a vet in a rookie's body and you can see that with with the way that he, he interacts with his teams now you can go on to the throws he's a gunslinger and you and to me it's the perfect complement to that defense because he's going to make he's going to make some mistakes right for sure but he has that defense on his backside that like they're they're that's the only defense in the league right now that's waiting to get on the field yeah they're itching to get on the field Every single play, they're in a track stance. They're not messing around, dude. And they're coming, and they're coming hard. That's what she said. <laughs> like, they are, they're ready to eat. Yeah, that, clip that one. Got you. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's great, too, with, with Brock Purdy. Like, what you didn't get with Jimmy is he's, he's scoring points. And for a Niners team that is defense-centric, that that is the best thing you could want out of a Niner fan. Like Did anybody we're, even, we're putting up 21 points. That's that's going to be come playoff time. 24 points is going to be good to be that, any team that we're putting up 24 points. No, that. Mm. you just said we're putting up 24 points. Drew, I didn't say that. Clip that. I got no. you. You know what? You know what? No, you know what? It's it, it, it's whatever. okay. You can jump whatever, on whatever, exciting. I'm not on a wagon. You unless unless a Bronco is carrying us, you secretly love. Hey, it's a great team to follow right now. I mean, I got to say the storylines are out you know of control. It's it's fun to follow, and and every day at work, that's who we cover. We don't cover national sports. We cover we cover the Bay Area sports. So 
I'm I'm sitting here talking Niners. So yeah, it's it's fun to talk Niners. They're doing really well. That defense is probably the best defense we've seen since the 2015 Broncos. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. They're they are sick with it, dude. I mean, it, it, yeah. it, it's super fun to watch. And and I think you know to make Debo Samuel an afterthought after him getting injured is is something that you know that is is extremely hard to do. And we would have felt that loss, I think, ten times more with Garoppolo as the quarterback. Yeah. And I think I think with Purdy, he just he gives you that it factor. He gives you that ability to to generate plays off script. And I mean Kyle, Kyle gave him Kyle gave him the gave would Kyle have ever called that double fake reverse with Jimmy? No. I don't yeah. think so. I, I don't ever remember seeing it. Right? And and what does he do? Boom. You know, it's like yeah, I just, I just, again, I think, I think Shanahan, might, and maybe it's that perfect marriage where Shanahan just all of a sudden is like, oh, I can, I can open this thing up, I can yeah. open this thing wide open, and and now all of a sudden we're seeing the genius of Shanahan, and, so, and yeah, no, I just want to. Um, John left to go get his Broncos hat, and he said something earlier that I thought was kind of an insane statement when he said Brock Purdy has. Um, glimpses of like early russell wilson and then i thought about it and what did russell wilson had he had a sick running game with marshawn lynch and a great defense legion of boom um cam chancellor richard sherman earl thomas they had i mean they were that squad was ridiculous early on and they didn't really rely on russell russell didn't have to win them many games if any at all he kind of had to manage things, you know, and rely on his defense and running game. And what the difference I do see is actually that is a pretty apt comparison because they're actually opening up the playbook and putting more on this Brock Purdy kid than they were than than Pete Carroll was trusting in Russell Wilson. I, I, I do want to say that with with the comparison to Russell Wilson, like I, I do think that like we have to to. I don't want to say system, but he is in the most perfect system to excel. Yes. Right. And so I think that there is something to be said for that. I think technically the way he throws the ball is, you know, you can nitpick and whatnot, but he has found himself in the perfect system to be able to take advantage of the opportunity. And, um, and, and Shanahan's letting him do that. And I think that, you know, like, like you said before, like we have, we could have a really great problem next year. And, oh, here's my question to you guys with everything that's happened, all the domino effects, everything, the butterfly effect and everything that happened. Good movie. You still make that trade Lance pick. If it leads you to Brock Purdy. I mean, it's still early to say that, right? Because we don't know what Trey Lance is and we really don't know what Brock Purdy is. But if Brock Purdy takes you to an NFC championship game or even a Super Bowl. Brock Purdy is your starter next year. Yeah. There's not a there's not a competition during training camp. Like you're you you, 100%. 100%. Agreed. Agreed. And and to look at like there was there wasn't this buzz when Trey was about to start. You know what I mean? Like the defense, the locker room wasn't talking like, "Oh, Trey, like dude, he's sick." Like he's a, like everyone on this team from offensive linemen to defensive greats are talking about this kid like they party with him on weekends. Like I'll go, 
I'll he, go hot. He's he's a big glue guy, is what I feel I'll, like for Brock Purdy. I'll I'll go hot take here and say that he's already won the starting job. I, yeah. I think I think that the way that those guys have reacted to him in the three games that he's played, what he's done, beating Tom Brady, going up to to Seattle, like his credit is, is he, you know, his credit score right now is upper eight hundreds. Like he is, right. he is, he's he can pull out whatever line he wants, and I and and I think again, I come back to the question: is making that making that trade pick. It does that and all the sequence of events that happened after that leading to Brock Purdy, I think you still make the pick. And you still like if if yes, if if Trey Lance was doing what Brock Purdy was doing right now, everyone would hail John Lynch as the GM of the year. <laughs> yeah, and but he's not. I mean, you could argue with the talent they had, they are the most talented football team in the league. No one has a collection of better white boys in the league. From offense to defense, from white boys to my brothers, they are the most talented yeah. football team. You clip that in the league. Uh, I love that. Um, last last topic before we get to our picks, because we got to get there. We've been Jesus. we've been on here for a minute, but I, I do want to I do want to talk about. We've talked precious little hoop around here, which just crushes my soul. Steph Curry going down with that shoulder injury out for a few weeks when this Warriors team has really struggled to find any rhythm, find their legs. They started to look like they're kind of turning the corner um, when they got that big win against the Celtics at home. And then they follow that up with just getting demolished by the Bucks in Milwaukee just a few days later. It's kind of tough to kind of project out what's going to happen with this team. I do, I do have, as a Warriors fan, I do have some built-in excuses. One, you're coming off a championship season when no one thought you guys were going to win. And they reminded everybody that no one thought that they were going to win the championship last year. I think it was probably the most emotional championship for this core group. And going into this year, they guessed wrong. They were betting, or they bet wrong. They were betting on the fact that um, Wiseman was going to develop and come back healthy and strong. They were betting on the fact that Kaminga was going to develop faster. And he's coming along, but you know, still not what they, I don't think what that front office thought he would be to start the season. Moses Moody, same thing. You were banking on these young guys to really pick up the slack for losing dudes like Gary Payton, who I thought was a really important piece last year. I thought he was really, really important. I watch almost every game and there was so many times that he just made Huge defensive plays, had a dunk in a clutch moment. I mean, um, and brought some real energy to that team. Otto Porter Jr. as a vet, bombing threes. He came in clutch on multiple occasions. Um, even like JTA, Juan Toscano Anderson, I didn't think it was a huge loss, but a glue guy dude out of Oakland, a guy where this meant a lot to him. The team loved him a lot. Huh? Bielitsa. Bielitsa, yeah, like you had some some parts, and I'm not saying because they're gone is why the season's gone the way it has, but you did, I think a lot of people thought that this young group of guys was going to develop a little faster than they have, and they have battled some injuries, Wiggins is out, you know, those types of things, but um, you did think these guys were going to 
you know, develop quicker. I will say this. I think the Warriors are in a, in a tricky spot here because I do think that the veterans, especially the core three and Clay and Dre and Steph, they're at that point in their career where they just want to win. They don't want to really have to bring these guys along. Three, four, five years ago, like, and they're still in their prime and they're thinking, shit, this group right here, if we can get them up to speed in a year, year and a half, like we could go on a serious run here, right? And the... The, the, the fact is, is that they're at a point in their career where they, they're looking at a two-year window right now. And they're like, this is what, like, we need to win now, right? And I think that those, those the Bielitsas and the Auto Porters and those, those veterans, Juan Toscanos and the Gary, those guys, those guys are more supportive of that window than the developing young guys in Moody and Kaminga and, and you know, Poole came, came into his own for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Wiseman, man, talk about you know, talk about a bust of a pick so far. You know, he he, it's been you know back and forth between Santa Cruz and in the Bay and right. trying to figure it out. There's but he's dominant of, in Santa Cruz, like yeah, he goes to the G League and and he goes to the G League and well, I mean, his last couple trips to the G League, he was averaging like twenty six a night. You know, it's like and like fifteen boards. He's like literally a Dwight Howard in the G League, and and then comes to to the Warriors and he gets I mean when they were playing Toronto they were blowing Toronto out they had that game in the bag at halftime like that that momentum they had that entire game since the tip-off and he played three minutes yeah so minutes in the fourth quarter like there's something that coat that Kerr is seeing that we are not that he is not good like he is in the worst worst position as far as like the the team being in a win now mentality he needs to go to a, a Pistons. He needs to go to Orlando. Like he needs to go somewhere where, hey, Drew, we don't care. You're where you're going to get twenty eight a night, twenty eight minutes a night, no matter what. Drew, let me ask you a question. Would you trade a package of Wiseman and Moody or Wiseman and Kaminga for a piece? Yeah, I would because yes. what the Warriors just did this past season has never ever been done by any franchise in my lifetime where they won a championship while building for the future. That just never happens. You're either building for the future or you're trying to win now. Both things never coexist. And it was the perfect storm of matchups, of Steph really showing everyone, you know, the Hall of Famer that he is and, you know, just balling out in the playoffs because if you remember that second half of the season i think they went 20 and 22 it's not like they came storming into the the playoffs um maybe it was the other way around but it wasn't it was right around 500 they weren't killing it and they just happened to click at the right time and get hot at the right time and like i said this has never been done before so to see that it's not working out is not necessarily a surprise. I just think that the Warriors last year proved all these doubters wrong. And it, to the doubters' credit, again, we've never seen this before. So the fact that they did it, I think, gave them a false sense of security that, okay, we could go on and do this. We could keep all our vets, all these legacy players, 
on the franchise. We don't have to move a Draymond. We don't have to move a Clay. We're good. They earn their right to be here. And we're going to develop these young cats. And the problem is when you're trying to win now, you do not allow for many mistakes, right? Where to John's point, if if um, Wiseman was to go to an Orlando or to a Houston, he's playing 30 minutes a night. He's playing through mistakes. What I noticed in with Wiseman in his rookie season, and the one thing that gave me apprehension is when he was getting yanked on a regular basis, when he was out of position on uh, on, on defense, or he took a dumb foul. Um, Steve Kerr had a quick, um, you know, he's he's pulling him quick, right? Like his leash was very short with him, and you saw in his body language. And I don't want to be a body language expert here, but you can just tell when he's like, ah man you know like not feeling it and that's a tough thing where many of these guys who are a lottery pick are playing for shitty teams that's often why teams are picking in the lottery now things have changed recently with all these pick swaps and whatnot but for the most part these guys are going to orlando they are going to houston and they're getting big minutes and getting to work through in real time some of their problems they're not only getting to do that in practice they're not only getting to do that in training camp they get to do it and when it you know during regular season games get some actual run and and you can't do that with a team that's in win now mode you can't afford to have a dude out there messing up the defense in the wrong position you know making dumb plays you can't afford to do that if you're trying to win a championship and they got away with it last year because they had enough of those vets that we talked about to supplement these young guys so you can throw a kaminga in with all veterans you could throw a wiseman in with all vets you could throw a moses well wiseman didn't play last year but you could throw a moses moody you know what i'm talking about you could throw these guys in with a veteran lineup or with a jordan pole even in a veteran lineup where their glaring weaknesses or flaws aren't going to cripple you because you have a team behind them that knows where they need to be that can overcompensate for those mistakes. And it's just hard to do both. Like I said, we've never seen a team do it at a championship level ever. And usually we make fun of these teams like they have no identity. They don't know what they're trying to do. You either need to get some vets in or you need to, you know, destroy it, blow it up and start from the ground up. And the Warriors have, haven't done that. And so, yes, long-winded way of answering your question, AB. I thought that when Kevin Dur Durant was disgruntled, bring him back, do a final run, and then start to shit, you know, break this thing down and start to worry about your future. But I thought they, you know, I do think they do have a move in them. They need to really do decide, though. What are we going for? You cannot waste Steph Curry's time. He's still at he's at the very edge of his prime. One would think we're I mean, it's basketball. It's this isn't Tom Brady, right? You imagine he's not going to go till he's 45. So <laughs> I would take the opportunity while you have these these pieces that are super intriguing, that have a ton of potential. You have these guys on the roster now. See what's out there. See what the market dictates and see what you could get. Is there a name that you are interested in, Drew? Besides Kevin Durant, I'm not on the tip of my tongue. I mean, I would say, what is OKC willing to do with Shea Gillis, um, SGA down there? 
because OKC is always willing to make a deal. Like one thing I know about that <laughs> franchise is if they got if they got assets, they're ready to ship them off, baby. They will take all of your picks. They will take your guys on the bench. They don't care. And I think SGA would be a good fit for this team. It's just hard to find. Uh, you know, you're you don't know what you don't know. You we've all seen KD fit in with the squad seamlessly and. For the first time in his, in his career, be a real defensive stopper around the rim. You know, he was a legit rim protector for us. And I don't know that at this stage in his career, we could expect him to do that. But, I mean, who's doing it now when Kevon Looney's on the bench? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not Wiseman. So I just, I think that could be a natural fit. The guys are familiar with each other. But other than that, man, I, there's those are the two guys that kind of stick out that I think a deal could be done. Like, realistically right like we're not we're not getting job Morant. we're not getting some of these dudes but those two dudes i could see um if if the season was going sideways for the nets which they've seen to right the ship a little bit i could see them willing to deal uh kd i thought we should have made a play for demonte sabonis mm, yeah i thought he would have yeah. been a, a nice fit that's there. a great like call that's he a great can, call. The pick and roll, his vision on the court, he his passing is super elite. He's a big man down low. He plays a little bit of defense. Like he would have been a great compliment to Looney. Probably would have started over Looney. Um, you know, and I think that that's the type of player that that we're talking about as far as like not wasting Steph's time. Yeah. You know, Wiseman is is a waste of time right now. And and he can't develop with that type of pressure. Like he knows that any mistake he makes, he's getting the yank, and that is not something that a young player needs in their mind no. when they're trying to learn. No, you know? and um, we're recording this on a Wednesday, or on, I'm sorry, on a Tuesday night. We usually do Wednesday, but because of travel plans and holidays and whatnot. Um, as you were saying that, I just got the update that the Warriors just lost by 40 to the Knicks. So yeah, I'm all for making a move at this point. I mean, keep in mind they had steps you know, Curry, out. Yeah, steps out. Yeah. Wiggins out. D yeah. Divincenzo was out. Jamichael Green was out. Yeah, I mean, no, it's a, this it's a sick kind of an eye. They with all those, on this with, game. I yeah, with it. all those players out, you would assume that Draymond Green probably didn't play that much because he never wants to play unless steps in there. So, yeah. I mean, again, too, you know, this could be the the classic Warrior rope a dope where you know they just kind of fumble. All they need is a six seed through a regular they season. They get into the playoffs and. And they do what they do, you know. So I think that I think yeah. the, the book is yet to be written, but I do think they have a movement in them. I'm interested to see what they do. I have to say though, that series against Memphis woke up the Grizzlies because they are for real and yeah. they look nasty. And, and they they look like they're that young team that's ready to come in. I mean, Boston and 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 Milwaukee, obviously. The Pelicans uh, do the killing Pelicans it do. this year. But Memphis, man, yeah. John Morant is super special. Yeah, he's the most audacious player I've ever seen in the league. You guys know what else is special? Your picks? My college football picks. Let's get to them, baby. Hey, it's me. Knock knock. So, uh, you got uh you got my money? All right, this week is uh, 
pretty short, you know, typically, like we said, where we usually f- record this on a Wednesday, put it out on a Friday. So I don't want to give, you know, picks for no damn reason for the Wednesday, Thursday games, even though action will be had on those days. Um, Friday and Saturday, three games. We got three games that we're rocking with. We have Louisiana, Raging Cajuns at Houston. We're taking Houston minus six and a half. We got Wake Forest at Missouri. Keep in mind, these are all bowl games. It's not at. I I, I always forget that. I I shouldn't say at. Uh, Wake Forest against Missouri. Wake Forest has been my horse this whole year. We're taking Wake Forest minus one. Then we have Middle Tennessee State University against San Diego State Aztecs in the easy post Hawaii Bowl. We're going SDSU minus six and a half. Go Aztecs. Let it ride. I like it. All right. All right. Um, Let's switch from college to the NFL. AB, you've been on the opposite of a freezer. You've been on quite the heater. Um, So the floor is yours, my friend. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, and know when to run. I'm gambling again. Yeah, so last week, 6-2, and two, uh, and we're rolling that into this week. A couple of them were by the the hair on my backside, as John has so fondly said before, which is many. Um, a lot of hair. We are rolling this week. So last week, ton of dogs, played well. It's a couple of na- nail biters this week. We're a little more on the favorite side, so we'll see how that plays out. But I, I, like, these, um, I like these looks. So Lions minus 2.5 versus Carolina. Um, I, you know... Detroit, you've I'm I'm sold. I am now sold. The defense is looking a lot better. Jared Goff didn't poo-poo himself outside, Um, so let's roll. Uh, Minus two and a half against Carolina, who I think Carolina has been playing a little bit more, a little bit higher than their ability the last couple weeks. Give me Pittsburgh in the next game. Pittsburgh minus three versus Oakland. I think Oakland is, I mean, this is a, a letdown spot if I've ever seen one after that massive mm. win. Um, they're going to be partying all the way through until this game starts. Give me uh, Pitt minus three. Chargers minus four against Indy. How do you come back from that? I don't know how you come back from that. I'm, I'm not I'm not laying it with Matty Puddles. I'll tell you that right now. And that single throw that Justin Herbert made to Mike Williams, the dude has an absolute howitzer of an arm i mean it, it, it he throws one of the most pretty balls in the game uh they got keenan allen back mike williams back the defense is playing a bit better uh give me chargers minus four philly plus four and a half against dallas my favorite game of the week fucking gardner Minshew, baby gardner oh, Minshew. Couple of, let's couple, go couple of dudes wearing jorts dude that's my guy bro I love that guy. He does. Minshew is one of the boys for sure. Through and through, like his dad's all-time lego, like just in the in the stands with a half half can of coke and in his lip. You know, he's the boys, right? So Gardner Minshew, Philly, still I think they're still way more talented than Dallas. Dallas is again, Dallas is inflation. Dallas is the the U.S. economy right now. 
Okay. Uh, Denver, this is my whale right now, dude. Denver minus two and a half against the Rams. Let's go. Baker Layfield, bro. Yeah, Baker off the street with no pressure for sure. That's fine. He led that comeback. That's all fine and dandy. I don't know if you watched the last game, but homeboy needs to get his bags and start packing because he ain't the answer, and we know that. And, I, you know, all that head button is all great and everything, but I literally think he's causing real-time CTE for himself based on the way he's playing on the field. So Denver. give me Denver under that key number of three. I'm with Brett it. Brett Rippin. I'm all about a Brett Rippin extraordinaire, dude. Um, give me the Giants plus three and a half against Minnesota. Fraudulent. Absolutely fraudulent. Even though they won that game, the luckiest, they are the luckiest team in the league. They are the luckiest team in the league. They needed like, they're just the luckiest team in the league. I'm not sold. I'm still not sold. I still think, I think the uh, Giants are going to come out, hit them in the mouth. I just look at like Minnesota as like that, like, yeah, like that kid who thinks he's tough. But then when it like comes down to it and you're like, all right, well, let's square up. He's like got a ton of excuses, you know. He's like he's like the kid that cries, and he's like, I'm not crying because like I'm upset. I'm crying because I'm so mad. Yeah, it's just what I do. Me, that was that was me. I was one of those kids. I, I'm I'm aware. Uh, and then my last pick, Cincy minus three and a half versus New England again. I'm gonna I'm taking like both sides of this here. Like, how do you recover if you're Minnesota coming back or coming on that comeback? How do you recover if you're Indy giving up that lead? How do you recover if you're Oakland winning that game and partying all night? And how do you recover if you're New England and giving that up? I'm sorry, dude. There is no way. I think I think they're almost out of the playoff picture, so they might be playing with some urgency. But since he, Joe Burrow, I mean, that dude has it swinging. And three and a half, give me that all day. Um, so, yeah, th- those are my picks. Um, I'm ready to roll. 16 and five last three weeks. Let's, uh, let's make it uh, – uh, 22 and 22 and six. If the, if the NFL, if the NFL was a rehab clinic, you would be betting on everyone to relapse. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. The odds say you will relapse. Touche. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have nothing to add to that because you've been on fire and I would know nothing about that. With that said, let me get to the lock of the week, baby. (laughs) I told you I'm going to start betting emotionally and with my heart, so I'm just going to keep it with my hometown squad. We're going with the Niners, minus seven at home. The Commandos coming to town. Um, Yeah, I just think the Niners obviously been on fire lately, and this is a big letdown moment, right? They locked up the division, but they're still in a – battle for that number two spot with those inflated Minnesota Vikings. And so I don't think there's going, I don't think they're going to let off the gas. I think we're going to continue to see Kyle Shanahan open that playbook and it's a West coast game. You got a team coming from East to West. Uh, I like the Niners in that spot. I'm going to go with a dog of the week. My dog of the week is going to be Seattle against the Kansas city chiefs in Arrowhead that nine and a half number for the Chiefs, I just, it's something's up. Something smells funny. This Thank team you. has not been blowing squads out the way they have in the past. And so to use AB's term, I feel they're a little inflated. I think they're really good. I think they have as good of a shot as anyone probably should be the favorites to come out of the 
AFC. And with all that said, I just don't think they have had the sense of urgency all season long to put away games when they need to. I don't know the exact number, but I know that Mahomes is not like he's in a covering machine in most scenarios, but mm-hmm. I, I believe of 10 points or more, he he's not a great percentage. He just doesn't blow teams out. We saw that last week against the Texans. Yep, exactly. Um, and Seattle is, I think, in the fourth spot in the playoffs. So this, but they're tied, they're right there with the Lions. And so this means something to them. They This is a pretty big spot for them. So um, it would be seven, I think. Yeah, because the four, it would the four, four would be Tampa Bay. It would be it that's would be right. Philly, it would be that's right. Philly yeah. Niners. Or, it would be Phillies, Vikings, Niners, Niners, Tampa Bay. That's right. And then you have Dallas at five. Six wow. would be Giants. Okay. And then right now is the Commanders at seven. But it could be Lions. It could be Seahawks. It also could be the Packers in a crazy outside chance. Yeah. Yep, that's right. So that's all right. Thank you for that clarification. Yeah, I was definitely looking at the wrong thing here. <laughs> um, but yeah, they do. Seattle still has a uh, shot to make the playoffs, and I think they're going to uh, they're going to go for it here. So that's my dog of the week, lock of the week. Niners minus seven at home. Um, now I'm probably going to tease that down to six just to just to be a little more comfortable. Um, wow, already wavering. He and wavered, dog. He just wavered. He wavered. Just That's dog. what happens when you're on a freezer. Oh no! Tune in, AB tutoring classes. Go to school, ninety nine ninety nine a month. A four month? Class, Jeez. Four, four classes a month. We do this four times a month. You're getting free lessons, my son. I just want to let y'all know, I got y'all because that was a reverse, reverse. <laughs> Let's of course, go. I'm not buying them down. We're rolling at seven because we're about to win by 10 plus this weekend. He's Let's learning. go, baby. I'm learning. <laughs> you set the trap and they walk right into it. He's learning. <laughs> All right, boys. Y'all got anything for the people on the way out? Yes. Stay up and enjoy the uh, near two-hour show we just put on for you guys. <laughs> for real. Can't Seriously. wait to edit this. This should be a breeze. <laughs> Go Demon Deacons. John right. still refers to the Niners as we. <laughs> Maybe John's reversing, reversing us. We do have your first overall draft pick. I don't think he's that smart. Mm, Not first enough. overall, your first round. Yeah, it won't be the point. first overall. I'm smart. All right, it's been real, people. We'll catch up with y'all soon. I'm smart. Happy holidays.